Saturday, the 20th of May, 2022, Scrappy Murphy's in Birmingham, 7pm. Be there. The Chronicles of Podcast Live. Tickets on sale now. Go to www.ctickets.com. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing, and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults, and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Berry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorsh, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring... The Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, The Chronicles, at checkout. Oh boy! Oh. Hi, my name is Mitchell Ems, and I'm a singer, multi instrumentalist, producer, and songwriter. And you are listening to the Chronicles of Podcast with the absolute legends that are Tom and Jamie. Slide to the left, slide to the right, crisscross with my ass, boys. Welcome to Hashtag WBW, Way Back Wednesday. And these are the chronicles of Mitchell M's. Why, Mitchell this week, Jamie? Well, this week we are bringing you the chronicles of Neptune Rain on Friday. So, we, you know what? Let's go celebrate another independent artist. Oh, In yes. the one and only, the amazing... Mitchell M's. In I what? know this is technically way back Wednesday, WBW, but it's also MCW, Man Crush Wednesday. I, I just knew this was coming. In <laughs> what quite possibly is the world's longest interview ever. So but it is quite long, yes. It, it, but it's great. But it's, it's great. It's just, I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I just generally think. I remember we sat down with Mitch like, this is going to be good fun. You know, he sings on Strictly Come Dancing for the rock, all the rock songs and whatnot. It's going to be, we can learn all about him. I know he was on like kids, stars in their eyes, that sort of thing. 
And then it was literally like SpongeBob SquarePants, two hours later. And then you're still, you know, you're still, we're still sat there trying to wait. Like the guy is a genuine legend. He's lush. It's just a, a really humble and wonderful man. And I know, Jamie, I know you're in love. It's okay. I'm a little bit in love. You're all, it's okay to admit it. You're right to get it out there. It's 2022. We can all talk about our feelings. <laughs> I can't help it. The man is just ridiculously talented. Like, the man has done so much. Yes, this conversation is two hours long because he's done that much in his young career. It's ridiculous. And he's doing so much more as well. He's still working on his second solo album, which I cannot wait for. But go check out Vertigo History's Edge, his first solo album. It is stunning. It is so damn good. I just, yeah, I, I love this man. He's just so ridiculously talented. He is, and he's just a really lovely guy. And he's just, just actually man. genuinely wonderful human. And it's nice to see how happy he is in his life at the moment. Uh, lovely to catch up with him on social media every now and again. And it's just one that, I'm really excited to get back out there again because um, it. I might be wrong, but I think this interview is where you investigating people's backgrounds originated from. Is it? I think it might be because I remember you popped up on the screen. You're like, hmm, what you got back there then? I see it some was guitars. Got, it's, it's music room is really nice. It's a really nice room. Um, but yeah, guys, you're going to absolutely love this conversation. It's so much fun. You know, if you're big fans of Nirvana, Strictly, Stars in Their Eyes, um, Vertigo at History's Edge, and all that sort of... Oh, The Voice! He did The Voice as the well! Voice, oh, my God! The Voice! And he made the semi-finals in 2013. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Mitchell deserves everything that's got coming to him. The boy, like you say, is so talented, and he's just a genuinely wonderful human at the same time. He is. He's just lovely. Jamie! Yes, sir. Eddie? Final words. Uh, only words I want to say to Mitchell are in private, so I shall say, everyone, enjoy this fantastic <laughs> interview. <laughs> Mitchell, thank you so much, man, for taking the time out of sitting and chatting to us. We'll definitely have you back on again because you've done so much in the time that we've not been speaking. That we, you know, since it's like the week before Christmas, I think it was or something in twenty twenty. Oh, yeah. um, so I'm very excited to re-release this. Uh, thank you so much again, and we look forward to catching up soon, ladies and gentlemen. These are the chronicles of Mitchell M's. God, beautiful wall. Mm. Of- Just about to say that, and I thought, is it weird to say beautiful wall? <laughs> no, it's, it's the pink. It's the pink I think that I like the most, the guitar. Oh, right. Yeah, that one. That's, uh, I've said that quite some time now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so what we normally do is... I'll do a little intro in a minute and then we just ask a bunch of questions and you answer them. Simple as that. Really. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Man, good. I answer it the fuck out of you. <laughs> <laughs> you must answer it in 10 seconds or 10 seconds straight. Amazing. Well, if you're ready, then we're going. Yeah, let's do it. Ladies and gents, I am very excited about today's interview. Today's guest is one that my beautiful co-host has brought to the table. But throughout doing my research, I will openly say I've developed a bit of a man crush on today's guest. (laughs) This man has been playing music since he was a small boy. He's been on three huge TV shows here in the UK. His first appearance when he was 10 years old. A man who I think possibly has the greatest voice I've heard in a very bloody long time. Today we welcome to the show Mr. Mitchell Ems. Hello, 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 That was that was quite a big up. Thank you, thank you for no that. No worries. My, my wife's getting concerned. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say I blame her. 
I've been, I've been told that bigamy is illegal in the UK, though, so you're safe. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make I guess leave straight away. Fuck me. Um, <laughs> Mitchell, man, how has 2020 been for you? Um, am I allowed to use swear words? Yes, you can say whatever <laughs> you like here. Uh, I mean, first of all, I think probably the first phrase would come to mind was combination of it's been all right and then also fucking shit. So, you know, uh, you know it's, it's been possibly the weirdest year I, I think I've ever had, to be honest. So, yeah, it's um, been a quiet time of reflection, a quiet time of being stuck with nothing to do, no musicians to go out and play with, nothing. So it's been, it's been a really, really weird year in that regard. So. But then it also gives you now inspiration for another album. Well, I mean, yeah, a little bit, a little bit of that. I mean, I a lot of this year I pretty much spent just sort of taking a bit of time off from writing completely because I thought, okay. I thought you, I thought with all this spare time it would be like, oh yeah, I'll just have all this time to just create and make things and like you know I'm not busy with anything. So, and uh, it, it's it's annoying because you need new experiences to to sort of write things, to come up with things. Mm. Um, so I just got to a point very early on in the year where I was just churning out song after song after song, just kind of going, well, it's only been a couple of months since I finished my first album. And it's like, maybe I just need to give this a breather for the time being. But as of late, now I've, past couple of months, I've been getting back into writing again. And, um, there's, uh, I have something new in the works, which is great. So. <sighs> It was like one sat here. here in my kitchen <laughs> <laughs> making a cup yeah. of yeah. That's the problem. It's like, what do you write songs about you know, in this whole time other than just being stuck indoors, you know, and visiting the shop or something? You know, so. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> um, oh, bless you, man. Well, other than music, though, have you taught yourself anything new? Have you, like, have you learned a language or have you? No, uh, <laughs> crocheted. I, I tell you what, this is sound, this is sound really cheesy, but I, I learned I learned the language of loving myself. Oh, oh, that was beautiful. I learned, I learned to make peace with myself this year. All the many years of things that I've done, I was like, time to reflect and time to say, "Hey, man, it's all right." We laugh, but considering the amount of people that have really suffered throughout this whole lockdown scenario so that is awesome to hear that someone has come out of it in a positive light well I, it's almost like what's the alternative really i mean um so obviously it's affected everybody in, in a quite personal way and in their own ways but i think for me just sort of going from being quite busy at the start of the years which is sort of everything i've ever done really which is be a performer be a session musician be uh, you know just out and about doing stuff to probably being the busiest independently anyway that I've ever been and just to having that all taken away overnight and just kind of like well what what am I without music you know what what is this you know I need to sort of figure that out and um yeah I just I just feel like it gets to a point where I think it was probably around April June I was like I've had enough of this shit like this is this is this is not good for the old noggin so uh yeah, I, I got I just got really back into like exercise and sorting my diet out and I, I went I didn't drink alcohol for like three months as well, you know, and just tried to really make a good go of just, you know, being trying to put myself in a positive place this year. And I think um a bunch of those things have sort of have stayed with it, stuck it out for the rest of the year, even with this second lockdown as well. And um yeah, I think I'm I'm doing I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. <laughs> 
Good, that's awesome. It's good to hear. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of like, you know, you, you just got to make the best of it, really. I mean, what, what else are you going to do? You know? So, uh, yeah. Very good point. So, th- there's so much we need you know to discuss with you but for, let's take us back where did this love and passion for music come from you because obviously we established you on tv at 10 so it must come from a very young age it was it was actually it wasn't too long before that i mean this was in the times when i mean i'm sure you guys can relate when like, years felt like you know five years you know <laughs> yeah. like so much, you could just get so much done like in such a small amount of time so like the ages of like eight to ten just felt like just forever for me so i i remember it was um i i had a family member stay and he was a bass player and he brought all of these guitars and stuff with him whilst he was staying with us for a couple months and uh i just saw this uh this black fender strap he had in the corner and i was just like oh that looks cool i like the looks of that so it was sort of I was just starting messing around on guitars and stuff when I was around eight, eight years old and just playing random patterns and things. And I just thought it was really fascinating. And um, I have a couple older brothers and they were all watching, you know, uh, MTV at the time and all the music channels and things like that. So I was having sort of a daily dose of Limp Biscuit and Linkin Park and System of a Down and Corn and Blink-182 and, you know, all of that, that kind of early 2000s era of like new metal and alternative music, um, as well as like all of the old 90s stuff they were playing um, on like MTV2, if you guys remember that channel. Yeah, oh, um, MTV2 was the best. Yeah, so there was, you know, that all had like the indie rock stuff, but also a lot of classic stuff on there as well, you know, so. Um, so then, yeah, around that time as well, I was, my Christian, my primary school was a Christian primary school. You, you know, one ones where you were, uh, you know, you sing all the hymns first thing in the morning. And, oh. like, you know, we, you know, none of us took seriously, obviously. We just yeah. thought it was, you know, oh, we've got to sing about God, like, you know, <laughs> what, whatever, man, you know, so, all right. And, um, yeah, I remember getting asked to, like, sing uh, some sort of Christian hymn. I cannot remember which one it was. But it was that moment when I discovered that um, I could sing, weirdly enough. Um, and what it, I later learned, it was called um, having um, perfect pitch. So essentially that means that if you sing me a note, I'm able to sort of roughly tell you what that note is. And uh, I got that quite, I mean, it, was a, it was sort of a very intuitive thing um, from, a, from an early age. It was something I never really thought about because I was just able to just really harmonize easily with, with music and just pick up on notes and stuff. So it was kind of like this weird combination of all these little different elements and stuff. And then um, I was kind of getting into the stuff my brothers were into. I was like, Limp Bizkit was my like one of my favorite bands. Like at that time, I was like nine years old. I was like Fred Durst, what a legend. <laughs> I was the same. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and then you know, obviously like Linkin Park and stuff, you know, and all those kind of bands. And it was um, I, I just yeah, I, I loved all that stuff. And um, then one day, I think I was watching MTV Two, and this video uh, comes on called Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana. And I remember it as a very significant day because it was just I saw that video and heard that song and I was just like, what is this? I don't know why, <laughs> what is this? Like, I need to know what this is. So this was in the days of like, uh, I think um, I was probably infecting the family PC with like LimeWire or, or some shit. You know? <laughs> so I, I couldn't remember, I couldn't remember the name of the song either. I couldn't remember what it was called. So I ended up downloading this other song. I was like, oh, 
song called Lithium. What, what's this? You know, and uh, just just downloaded loads of stuff, and um, then I just got really into Nirvana, and then that kind of spurred me on to. I just decided that I want to play guitar and I want to sing and I want to do something like like at least as creative or at least entertain being as creative as this. There's just something about it that just uh, the aesthetic of it, the vibe of it, just pulled me into becoming a huge Nirvana fan. And I was uh, around about so nine years old. I just started learning all of Kurt's riffs on guitar and all that kind of thing. So yeah, it was just sort of it was a bit of a sort of weird storm of multiple elements things going on sort of Nirvana was really um, sort of yeah really was was the band that made me kind of like want to really go out and sort of maybe do that one day what's amazing is that you downloaded Nirvana and LimeWire and got Nirvana (laughs) 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 rather than either some classical stuff or hardcore porn so yeah fair play (laughs) (laughs) which always seems to be the way LimeWire oh Slipknot awesome I downloaded that (laughs) obviously the days when like you know uh you find like you know linkin park uh one step closer dot exe you know oh yeah that's a that'll play on my media player yeah yeah you know fucking malware or something on your on your computer so ridiculous ridiculous but um yeah so kind of yeah kind of started like that and um around the same time like i just sort of discovered um the beatles as well so nice but we're getting into um trying to learn as much beatles stuff as possible and um that's how i like learned about like open tunings and stuff because i basically was listening to these beatles songs and i was going this doesn't make any sense i can't play normal chords it just doesn't sound right i think it was like the song norwegian wood by the beatles and i was trying to figure that out for ages and then one day i just had the idea of just open tuning my guitar and uh, I think my dad had seen me do that and managed to learn this thing. And he was like, okay, that's probably not normal. <laughs> open tuning at like nine years old, you know, what's going on here? And you can sing and all this stuff. Um, and then this, uh, this thing was rolling through towns, uh, this, this uh, sort of live show thing. It was called the Star- Stars in Their Eyes Road Show. And it was at the Symphony Hall in Birmingham. And uh, it's kind of a thing where, like, you go in, you audition for it amongst, like, you know, hundreds of other kids. If you get into the top three, you'll do, like, five nights at the Symphony Hall. Don't ask me. Um, five <laughs> nights at the Symphony Hall for a bunch of small children doing their impressions of their favourite artists. And uh, then whoever wins that gets a place on the Stars in Their Eyes kids' show. You know, so I went and did that and um, one day and I ended up getting into the top three, which was pretty cool. But then the whole thing went completely bankrupt, didn't go forward, just obviously could just be, they couldn't find the funding or they just wasn't enough interest in it. So they just pretty much just gave us all like, oh, just have some invitations to audition to for the Stars and Rise Kids show. Um, so pretty much kind of went for that because we thought, why not? My parents were all for it and sort of like, why not? This will be fun. That's awesome. So you're self-taught then, guitar-wise? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I still don't, still can't read tab. <laughs> I just look at it and it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I, I mean, it does, but it, it just looks like, I think if you can learn by ear, um, which, you know, is obviously not te- te- technically the best way of doing it, 
But if you can, then it's like um, it just it's just it's just quicker. Yeah. 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 Rather than trying to have to read and go, oh, this finger on this fret here and this note that it's just you kind of hear it and then you just intuitively know the note and where that is on the fretboard and you just go, oh, it's there. there, there. So, and I, I can't explain it. It just it just was something that um, yeah, it's one of those weird things that I didn't articulate until I like actually had like a little bit of basic understanding of like music theory and went, oh, this you know that's c that's d that's e etc etc so but yeah most mostly self-taught yeah um, yeah fair play dude absolutely unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable so going back to stars and eyes then oh, um, yeah. how was that i mean just for starters um, you got to meet everyone's like kid crush cat dealy so you know if everyone watched smtv live everyone was like oh my god cat dealy holy crap <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was it was a really weird. I think for me, it was a very strange experience. I'm I'm probably going to say that multiple times during this. It was a strange experience. <laughs> everything on some level has always been strange. I think that's just the nature of music or show business or anything. It's just always bizarre. But like, um, around that time, like I was pretty much like I think I'd moved. We we moved and I'd moved to a new school and stuff. And I was just like outcast horrendously by the kids because I basically made friends with like one of the most uncool kids in the school and all of a sudden I was target for it as well and then I was growing my hair out blonde and uh long and um yeah they just yeah kept getting called girl every day at school and then you know, like being made to feel like I didn't belong with the kids who play football you know all that kind of thing so um so in a way like music at that time was sort of like my escape in a way if you want to make it that dramatic I suppose you know but it was like it was this place where I could kind of just be what I wanted to be and um so the stars and the rice thing was weird because it was like I was simultaneously at school and just people weren't always very nice to me and then next thing I know I'm on this like ITV show you know as well at the same time so it was kind of a weird experience as a sort of 10 year old sort of be having that sort of yeah um, contrast of different things going on so uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was a really cool experience. I'm just trying to remember it because it feels like it was an absolute lifetime ago now. But um, I had a great time on it. Um, I, I, well, the one thing I really thank the makeup de uh, department for is that in, initially in the early like rehearsals for it, um, they wanted to get sponge and put bristle all over me. So I was like this little 10 year old bristle on and everything. I think at the end, like towards the end, I just went, oh, this just looks a bit stupid. Like, we're not going to do that. So I was like, yeah. So it's not going to be complete cringe. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was a great experience. So it's just quite sad because like I, I, got, I didn't, I didn't make it through to like the next, the next round or anything. I just got that like one, one episode, and it was like the first episode of the series as well. And I was up against like four girls who were like sixteen. Plus, you know, I was just a little ten-year-old boy doing Kirk Bain, so and he yeah. smashed out the park. I loved it. Though. I was going to say, I watched it the other night, and I was like, okay, this ten-year-old kid's going to do an event. And first off, as soon as you said Kirk Cobain was an influence as a ten-year-old, I almost pissed myself because I figured there's some things about Kirk Cobain's life you probably shouldn't be inspiring as a ten-year-old. Oh, it's weird. They sent me them. I remember because we had to go through like choreography sessions as well. So I remember we were going down to like one of them. 
And there wasn't really much they could do with me. They were just like, well, here's these VHS tapes we've compiled. Go watch these at home. And um, like, they were of like the, some of the most weirdest moments in Nirvana's history. So like one of the ones I, the videos they sent me was the, that infamous video where Kurt smashes the bouncer's face in with his, his friend Jaguar. At like uh, in Dallas or something, and it's just like the most nuts gig. He like halfway through the gig, he smashes the mixing desk up with his guitar as well. Which obviously we're not having a good time on that show. <laughs> you <laughs> so should have done that. Watching this as a year old, going, oh, "That's fucking badass." That is like, <laughs> 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 you know. and um, so yeah, like uh, there was obviously you know that aspect of it was quite adult, but I think you know. I was one of those edgy 10-year-old, 10-year-olds where I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, man, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I, I loved it, though. Really, you didn't, really didn't, but I thought I did. <laughs> but, yeah. I loved it, though, because me and the wife were watching it, and we was like, because, you know, Kurt's got that gruffness to his voice, and I was like, there's no way in hell he's going to sound like Kurt. <laughs> 10 years old? And then he started singing, and I literally just looked at my wife, looked at the TV, and I was like, oh, fuck off. He's 10 years old. talented. That's hilarious. <laughs> I was like, I'm not having this. I used to try and give myself a sore, like a sore throat, to try and like naturally get that grit. I like um, didn't let go of that for a really long time as a singer, and then um, I realised how hard it was making my life as I got older. So then I kind of cleaned up my vocals a bit more. But uh, around that time, it just that was that was kind of what what I wanted to do. It was like, how do I get my voice lower? How do I get my voice more gravelly? You know, and um, I don't really know how I did it either. I think because um, around this time as well, I mean. Um, after the whole Stars and the Rise experience kind of, you know, finished, I remember I was driving back um, after that with my dad, and it was, we were driving back from Granada TV, and, uh, you know, my dad kind of giving me this big monologue about, well, you see this, Mitchell, I know you're upset about, you know, not getting through, you know, you see this, that's the future ahead of you, you know, behind you, you know, that's past you know like moving on you know that kind of thing and um after that it was a kind of like a him asking me whether this was what i wanted to do because um it was sort of like well i'd just done a big performance on this uh, tv show and it was like well are you sure this is the path that you want to take in life you know because uh, my my dad had been involved um or at least been around sort of like musicians and stuff in the past you know so he kind of has an idea of what the whole thing's like, you know, and, um, and, you know, 10 year old me, not thinking about anything, not thinking about one day having to, you know, maybe rent somewhere or, you know, the earn money, you know, all those kinds of things. It was like, yeah, I want to be a rock star. I want to be a musician. I want to go and gig, you know, I want to make songs and all that. So sort of that, that, that experience kind of solidified, um, me doing this, past 17 years of, of music, you know, so that was the kind of the moment when I knew that, okay, I can probably do something, maybe I can, you know, um, so yeah, uh, and around that time as well, like, um, my aunt was, um, she was a sort of like a pub singer, she would do like all the, everything from pop to rock to, you know, in like working women's clubs and stuff and pubs all around the Midlands, turn up with like, you know, a bunch of lights and mixing desk and a PA system, turn up, play to a bunch of backing tracks. And around that time, I was getting up and doing like a half an hour set of songs and covers um, with backing tracks that I'd made at home. 
because uh, I just got a little eight track recorder and a little tiny drum machine. And um, I was just, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I got a bunch of cheap guitars at this point. So, you know, I was using the, you know, sort of a knockoff Fender Precision bass copy thing, and learning how to play bass and then layering up stuff and using this drum machine and things. And, Playing those in pubs and clubs, I think that probably did add to the gruffness in my voice because everybody could smoke back in pubs. You know, <laughs> so I just remember every gig, like I had a sore throat afterwards, and I was like, "Why is my throat so sore?" And just like, "Why do my clothes smell weird?" You know, <laughs> why can't I see anyone? <laughs> you know, um, I've got I've got a guitar in that cupboard over there. It's in, it's in its case at the moment, but it's like my first ever guitar, which is this um, Squire um, Stratocaster. And it was completely white. All of the, the pit guard, the, the plastic on the front was completely white. And uh, using it for all those years, um, it's basically just stained it yellow. Oh. Just cigarette smoke in the pubs and stuff. Lush. <laughs> kid you not, kid you not. It's, uh, it's pretty weird looking back at that now and going, it, that's such a different time now. Like, and it's scary because I'm like old enough to like remember that now and I go, oh yeah, I'm getting old, shit. <laughs> it's like a fucking whole era that you know was, you know so yeah it was a really weird way to start doing music i suppose uh, yeah. what i love right from what i've noticed is how incredibly supportive your parents are uh-huh like just from all the videos i've watched of you and stuff and it, i just i find it incredible absolutely incredible and I don't know if it's weird because obviously from a personal point of view, like I've, I never had that from my parents. So to see it, I just, I love it. When I see it, I just love it every time. I don't like, I don't like the pushiness. You know, they're like, oh no, you mu- they're so amazing. You must. Yeah, and they're yeah, yeah. kind of like, ah! like, oh God. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I like, especially how upset your dad gets at points. Like I just, I find yeah. it, it's incredible, man. Absolutely amazing yeah. to have that support around I mean, you. I mean, I mean, because I, I know exactly what you're referring to. It's the, um, the voice video and i think obviously like um we did a lot together in terms of the um him helping me just get out on playing gigs and stuff he was or when i was about 12 i started doing my own like two hour solo shows and my dad would come along and he would much help rig up the lights and do the mix of the gig and stuff you know and uh yeah we went through a lot of stuff and then i you know there was many bands in between and stuff that he was also kind of involved in and sidelines as well you know a lot we, we've been through a lot to get to um a point where something like the you know the voice or something happened to me was just such a big deal you know so it's quite an emotional moment um in a way because of all the years of hard work we put in at that point you know mm. all the times we fell out as well it was just stupid things <laughs> uh, you know me going like i don't like that type of music Yo, you think you should do this no i want to do this no you should do that you know that <laughs> Being a finding my identity as a rebellious teenager, you know, all that kind of thing. So yeah, it, it was it was quite yeah. I mean, they've always been really supportive of what I did, what I do. I don't think I would have been able to have done. Or I think well, I think things would have been very very different for me mm. if they they'd not been encouraging of me pursuing music, you know. And yeah, so I pretty much uh, owe them quite quite a lot. Is probably a very big understatement. So it's beautiful, yeah. man. Still, it's amazing. So when I was doing my research, I was watching some um, Toxic Generation videos on YouTube. Yeah, Toxic Federation, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is Federation, why are it in Generation? Yeah, it's Federation. By the way, yeah. Generation. Toxic Generation, that sounds more like modern. Yeah. 
it does a little bit. <laughs> By the way, I was watching them anyway, and I noticed in the comments, like your dad was like Mitchell, do do do, and he does this and he does this, and I was like, love it. <laughs> Even in the comment section, he's bigging him up. I love it. <laughs> were you fifteen during Toxic Federation? Did I read I that? Joined, yeah, I joined. I joined when I was fifteen. Um, by that point, it was like I'd been doing these solo pub gigs and getting up and doing, you know, working men's clubs with my arm um, from the ages of like 10 till I was sort of 14, 15. So around that time, I was just starting to reach the end of high school and just kind of going, well, I want to, you know, I want to be in a cool band. I want to be in a band, not playing covers in pubs and stuff. Like I want to go and do something original, you know, or whatever and i mean i was still writing my own stuff and i i was writing my own stuff from from day one really um but this opportunity came my dad had found a um their myspace or something and that they were looking for a good singer and uh he was like look at this band like look at this these guys like they are the drummer is amazing the guitarists are amazing the bass player is amazing and it was just sort of like the, the bass player was the singer at the time and it was like the whole band was they were amazingly talented for their age because they were all like 17, like 18. And um, they were pretty good for, for that for that, for that that age, you know. So uh, the only thing that was letting them down was just the, the vocals, just because the bass player was singing and he wasn't really a singer, you know. It was just kind of like, he's writing these really quite grown-up lyrics, but um, it just wasn't carrying it vocally. So they were looking for a singer and I sort of stepped in at 15. Because uh, I had like really long hair, I kind of looked a bit older as well, and um, I'd been performing now at that point for like five, six years, pretty much non-stop. So it was like I was, you know, felt pretty ready to go and join something that you know had multiple members and a manager and you know a tour van and all that kind of stuff. You know? Wow! You know, just the songs do. are so good. The ones I listened yeah, to. Like, I mean, I had no, I didn't write anything on the first album. It was more I came in and um, sort of re-recording the stuff that they'd already done, you know. But I liked the lyrics. I mean, I think at the time I was a bit of me wanted to um, get involved creatively because that's where sort of my heart lies. But looking back, and I uh, now I'm older, I'm reading a lot of those lyrics. It's like they're really, really good lyrics. Like, um, and the mu- the musicianship there was so. Pretty solid. I mean, it was, they were doing this whole sort of combination of like Iron Maiden meets Alter Bridge kind of vibe, you know, um, very much like two feet, like, you know, one in the traditional sort of like classic rock side of things and kind of another in the kind of modern sort of like metal, kind of hard rock metal sort of place, you know. So um, it was really interesting in it. And I just, yeah, jumped at the chance for it, um, tried to make the best of it. <laughs> Obviously, being a singer at such a young age as well, and obviously saying join this band at 15, and this is was strange, but did puberty affect your voice at all? Because obviously, you know, you're going yeah, for that age, your voice is cracking over the shop. Yeah, I kind of have a story about that, which is like, because um, I said to you, I was writing songs from a really early age, and um, I produced with, my dad kind of helped me do this, but I um, produced this album called The Experiment when I was like 10. So it was all the stuff we've been doing on this little boss BR um, eight track recorder with this drum machine, and uh, just making all these songs. And um, yeah, so by then I had about like 12, 13 songs that had been recorded, and I was playing them in pubs and clubs. I had no looking back. I think it's hilarious that I'd gone into some sort of workings club, and I was playing these Nirvana inspired grunge punk songs um, as a as a ten year old, you know. <laughs> 
uh, with like, you know, all the distortion turned up on my guitar, just like throwing myself around, standing on the tables, running around and stuff, you know. It's incredible. And um, I noticed, I noticed when puberty hit, because I remember suddenly these songs that I'd written as with a, an 11 year old's voice, uh, just suddenly started getting really difficult out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like mid song going like, why can't I get these notes? Why are they so hard? You know? This was about, I think it must have been about 13 at this point, you know, and uh, yeah, they were just suddenly just so difficult to sing. And I, I, I think in a weird way, being like forcing myself to sing these songs that obviously had been written in a higher key or higher brain than what I was currently in probably helped me build up to being able to sing all the kind of high rock stuff. Because I was just constantly training my voice to sing higher and higher and higher as puberty was getting more and more and more. <laughs> so I was kind of battling puberty by just, you know, developing my vocal muscles, I suppose. But the thing is, it's like, when I talk about it, it sounds like all of it's calculated. And so was it. it was just, I'm just kind of going with it. You know, uh, and that's it really, you know. I suppose it's inevitable to happen though, if you're a vocalist at that age, it's going to happen. So. Yeah, and it, and it did. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> First time experience of it, yeah. So, um, did you did you have any training with your singing? No, it's this all natural. The training, uh, the training sort of came from doing these two hour cover shows as a kid because it was like you just get to a point where like, what are you gonna do? Are you just gonna say sorry, my voice is gone. Good night. <laughs> and I've, I've had this as a, this has been more of a lifelong thing. It's never just been. Uh, uh, just when I was that age, this is just always something that I think every singer um, who's doing the kind of long, long shows has to sort of uh, kind of come like work, find a way of dealing with, um, which is a sense of, you know, having the stamina to get through gigs, having the stamina to sort of, or find different ways of approaching songs. And I think um, a lot of my training was just being put in really ridiculous, difficult situations where it's like, oh, I've got an hour of a show to do that I'm doing and um, how am I going to get through it because I'm struggling and you just kind of have to just find a way to just get through it. So I think a lot of, yeah, my vocal training just came from singing live. Really. I, I've never been one to like practice at home. I don't like practicing at home a lot. Um, I've always been quite self-conscious in the sense of like, you know how like someone just like singing badly, like from like another room, it just sounds kind of weird. I don't know. Like I <laughs> You know, it's like you could just hear someone like no music, just someone going, ah, like, you know, and it's just like, it sounds horrible. And I just, I just kind of feared like that was, that's what I sounded like outside of the room. I'd just be annoying the hell out of everybody. So um, gigging was pretty much all where, where I learned how to um, sing. It was just literally from just performing live and yeah. I had a, an image in my head then of you doing Smarter Teen Spirit whilst in this club with Pooby hit going, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Could you imagine? Did that, I, I'm guessing that didn't happen, but could you imagine? I, imagine. I think, I think I'd, I'd already like Kurt Cobain myself at this point, where I was tired of Smarter like Teen Spirit after a while, because it was like, like he was. Because, like, uh, you know, because I'd done it on TV, like, everyone was like, oh, will you sing Nirvana? Will you sing Smells Like Teen Spirit? And I was just like, after I was like, no, I, I don't want to do it. And I was like, oh, oh, I understand why Kurt hates this. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, getting, getting asked why, why, you know, 
getting asked to do it. You know, it's just yeah. I was really embarrassed about it for a long time, and then I think one one day it was sort of when I was old enough, the penny dropped that I went, oh yeah, that's funny. The ten-year-old kid doing Kurt Cobain. That's oh actually that's actually pretty cool. You know, but at the time I was I was I was sort of a bit like people going to think I'm uncool or something. You know why? Just how, just how I felt. Yeah. Oh mate, it's, yeah. I think it was banging. <laughs> I, I thought it was awesome. So it was, yeah. So obviously, we briefly mentioned we we obviously we've got to talk about the voice. You know, yeah. it's not a show you normally see rock singers on. What made you decide to go for it? Um. Well, I guess I guess sort of for a sort of bit of a back context. You mentioned the band Toxic Federation. Yes, and it was I pretty much had my. Uh, that for me was like really my formative sort of years as a performer, writer, being in bands and stuff. Because I was in them, for, I was with them for three years, and we those were like my first experiences playing like proper venues, playing festivals, touring, you know, up and down the country and stuff, you know, and playing abroad as well. It was all my first time doing that sort of thing, and uh, you know, I I'd sort of seen sort of firsthand how difficult it was to just try and get noticed. I mean, you, you know, you, sometimes you're playing to like a couple hundred people and you're like, this is absolutely amazing. And then you play a support gig and then there's like 10 people there. All like the only people there are just people who, sort of, you know, are friends or family of the band. And it's just like, where's, where are we supposed to go? Where's, mm. you know, where's the way forward? You know, and a lot of frustration in that, you know. So, um, I grew up with a with a pretty much a hatred of talent shows. I absolutely didn't like them. Uh, I still don't like them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just I just yeah, it was just totally not my thing. It was very much against everything I stood for, you know. And um, so after I'd left that band at like eighteen, you know, and that was quite um, you know a big deal for me, leaving my first band and um, wanting to completely change the sort of type of music I was making well because i wanted to write my own stuff i wanted to um go in a more sort of alternative kind of indie rock kind of direction and um the voice just kind of came out the blue i remember watching the first series and going oh okay this doesn't seem that bad it's not x factor they're not putting like old people up on there and laughing at them you know it's like it seems pretty legit you know obviously it was the first series but that was it i kind of just had that brief moment in my mind where i just thought oh i could do that i reckon i could do, do that you know and out of the blue about yeah sort of half a year later i someone had sent one of my youtube covers that i just started doing which is these at the time i just started posting me playing some sort of more poppy songs on acoustic and uh i got an industry recommendation to audition for the show. So oh, they con- they contacted me. So I was like, oh, okay. What have I got to lose? I'm not getting on that in a million years. And even if I do, no one's going to turn for me. I'm a long-haired guy. I have a kind of, a, I'm not what they are looking for at all. If anything, it might just be like a nice little bit of exposure or something. You know, that's the way I felt at the time. It was just like, you know, I'm a genius. I could go on this show and not take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, no, I, I, I mean that in jest. Like, I, I did take it seriously in the sense of, like, I want to do a job. And, you know, want to, you know, 
I'd obviously like to get some screen time or something, you know. But it was just again, like I just went with it. It was not really much calculated thought really gone into it. It's just kind of like a, do you want to do it? Yeah or no? And I was just like, okay, I'll give it a go. And they have like obviously like a load of pre-auditions before the audition, you know, mm. these kind of TV shows. So um, I got through all of them and then the day came to, to kind of go and do it. And uh, yeah, like I said, I just didn't expect to get through on it. So I just thought, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to enjoy this, you know, and uh, this will be a great moment. And that's all this is going to be. But then when Danny turned his chair around, it was like, oh, oh, okay. Like I was, did not see that coming. And I was just like, this is just going to be, this is the start of a really, really interesting experience. Like I knew, I knew that things were going to change in a way. Something was going to change. He more than turned around. He fucking mounted the chair. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah that was that was a weird thing. Like I didn't see that until I like saw it televised like months later because it was like um, I'm just there doing my thing and performing. All I just saw was just the chair turn around and he was just like you know there. So then I just kind of gave him a you know bit of a salute of sorts and that happened. You know, so it was sort of like a okay. Now this now I've got to take this seriously. I've really got to. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know. So, but yeah, it's kind of like, like like I said, it's not like I didn't take it seriously, but I didn't think I was. I essentially just didn't think that anything was really going to go any further than that. I had no expectations of the bit. Just see what happens. Roll the dice. It was Tom's face I loved the most when you were going, because <laughs> that Foo Fighters rendition was unreal. I absolutely loved it. Even I was like getting really into it as well when you, when you were going for it. But it's Tom's <laughs> face, which just sat and he just goes, ooh. <laughs> 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 it's like, mm, yeah. I just <laughs> and, and obviously what I am was just loving it as well. Uh, uh, it was, yeah, it was mental. I mean, when I got to see that back, it was, it was ridiculous. Because, I mean, we... A lot of the rounds, everything up until the live rounds was all recorded and shot months before it aired on TV. So, like, we already knew who was going to be in the lives even before anyone had ever seen the initial auditions. Mm. So, we'd already been through months and months of, like, you know, filming of the rounds, rehearsing. I was just in London all the time, just doing stuff, which was great. Spending, like, probably my first decent amount of time ever in London you know that was quite exciting um you know um but yeah it was it, it was weird to kind of finally see it on TV that was I think that was the weirdest moment and then my phone was just like for like an hour just of just people sending me messages and following me on Twitter and stuff you know it was like okay I just gained 5,000 followers that kind of thing there's someone else on the show who they had like one of those cheap like a, just a cheap, crappy phone. And the phone died, like just completely, like started heating up and died just due to the amount of vibration. No. People just like following <laughs> Yeah, they had to buy a new phone in the end. It completely just broke their phone. Shit. Like, it is mad. I mean, just imagine it. It's, 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 it's a, such a surreal experience because imagine like, like I think it was like something like 8 million people watched that, um, or that show on that like on my audition and it was yeah. like think about the small percentage of that all suddenly liking what you did and then following you all at the same time it's just it's, it's like a de definitely a very weird experience i'll probably yeah. never 
ever experience anything like that ever again. But it was just that such a strange, strange thing to see your phone and your social media just light up like that because you've just gone from having it was like 200 followers to like you know like i said five thousand like in one night just like, <laughs> insane mental so what insane. made you decide to do lady antebellum i know i can't say it anymore can i what made you decide to do lady a lady a uh, apparently that that's seattle that's a seattle blues singer apparently. and uh she's trying to take lady the previously known as lady antebellum to court over like using their name i've seen that yeah Sorry, i think i read that today actually Oh really? Yeah, just like oh yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> basically, um, the reason why I did the Lady Antebellum one was because the previous round, I I just I remember the being having my soul slightly crushed a little bit because there's like a round before that which was like you know we're gonna pick you up against one of your teammates and you're gonna do like a sing off thing and when I, at this point, I was kind of like, still like, okay, I've done Food Fighters, but like, I don't want to do, I don't want to be like pigeonholed as like the cheesy rock guy with the yeah, yeah. long blonde hair kind of thing. Like, I'm not looking to be like Axl Rose or some shit. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's kind of like not, I mean, it's not that I don't appreciate it. It's just like, I'm just not really what I was going for. And I wanted to show that I was, you know, versatile that it could do lots of things mm. and um when they said oh you're going to be doing are you going to be my girl by jet i was just like oh, oh that song from the adverts like i mean yeah i, I think for me i just again that was another example of like you going well i'm probably not going to make it through because the guy who i'm up against is like classically trained musical theater legend who's in the we will rock you musical uh yeah like I, I, how am i going to Beat this guy like i'm not so i'm just gonna have fun with this and I, I i got on with him he was a really nice guy a great singer and somehow i got voted through it was like this just basically said you were the better performer like we enjoyed your performance more and you were you you, you sounded more genuine i suppose i think he was too clinical so it was like okay now i'm on to another round okay this is just surreal so then the next round was like this time around, I got a little bit more of a say in kind of what the band was doing, what the musicians were doing, and all that kind of thing. And I'm like, well, what can I do that's different? Or, and they had like a list of, they had like a huge book of songs that you could perform on the show, essentially. Like, these are all songs that have been okay with us for you that you can do. So there's loads of stuff in that. And I, um, I had like a long distance relationship at the time, and heard this song and I was just like oh yeah okay this I, I want to do this but I want to kind of get my guitar out I want to play my guitar on stage as well this time this one and I remember meeting up with the band in like a pre-production thing and just kind of going let's do like a rocked up version of this song let's just do something different and um so yeah it was kind of like just a bit of an experiment really just like well this might be my last round on here so uh, let's do something that, it, that isn't rock and roll, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you killed it, son. Absolutely killed it. I <laughs> love country my, music, so. My least, it was not my least favourite, but I think it's the one I didn't sing the best on. I think I was quite nervous for some reason. It was quite a, I don't know. I, it was just, yeah, I, I didn't think I sang as well as I could have done on that particular one, but um, I enjoyed it. And I, it was such a chill vibe in it as well same time because 
I remember getting my guitar on the stage and there's like loads of time in between because like you've got your team out to do the song. And then I get this freaking guitar out and like with sound, you know, tech line checking it. I start playing like uh, The Simpsons to like the whole audience, and, like in front of Will I Am and Tom Jones just going da 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 da. It's amazing. Like, yeah, <laughs> just doing stupid stuff like that. Like I just, yeah, I just, I just my sense of humor. I just, you know, you're in a surreal situation. Act surreal, you know. Like, kind of, <laughs> I love it. Have fun with it, you know. Incredible. So, so with the coaches, do they actually coach you? Do you get much time with Danny, or is it just for the TV show? They don't really. Um, just for the TV show. Figured it would be. I mean, it's not that I didn't get to spend any time with him. It was. Um, I remember he invited me to um, backstage to the O2 Arena. Uh, the scripts were headlining it in London, hmm. and I got to like stand on the O2 Arena stage and you know, and play a bunch of songs for all the crew and things, you know, on his guitar. And that was just, when you look at a room that big and you go, that's going to be filled with like thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And like all of your, all the legendary bands have played this place. And you're just walking around the backstage, um, you know, all of the hallways backstage and you see all of the things on the walls and you find a secret room and, you know, that was built for Michael Jackson and stuff. Like, it's just, that was a rick- wicked experience. And I remember me and him sharing a cigarette in, um, in one of the, one of the, one of the rooms somewhere and just chatting about stuff. And, uh, so yeah, there's this kind of moments like that where we're just talking about stuff. And he's like, here, meet my producer, meet this person, meet this, you know, you know we're going to, we're gonna do. We're gonna do this with you. We're gonna do that with you. Don't worry about winning this or anything. Like, you know, uh, we'll get you in touch with our management. You know. So at that time, you stood on the AT Arena stage and you go, "Seems legit." You know. And uh, so yeah, there was this kind of stuff like that. And he would just randomly come at me out of nowhere with just random ideas. Oh, Mitch, have you heard? Have you heard Nine Inch Nails? I was like, yeah. All right, yeah. He's like. You should you should do hurt by nine inch nails and then he was then he was off with like his entourage somewhere. Bro, I love that. I thought there was more that's why I stayed silent, I thought there was more to it. Nine inch nails. Yeah. <laughs> is, there, is there more to this or what? <laughs> yeah, there's all like stuff like that. I mean, I think after you know, um yeah, that that was originally what I was gonna do for the live shows, was I was gonna show my um deep introspective Self by doing um, a sort of rendition of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails, and that was what I was going to do. Um, Smash! So I, really, I really wanted to do something that wasn't the I'm running from the stage being a mental rock guy. <laughs> I wanted to do because I seen I listen to all these other great singers and they're doing these really emotive songs and they're doing really amazing things. I'm like, feel limited to just being the guy running around the stage doing the big loud thing and I'm like well it's not all that's not just what I do like I want to do something whilst I have the chance to on the television show to do something quite special at least for me or just to feel it fulfill me on some level that I'd you know shown as many sides of myself as I could Mm. so then it was that and then then it got changed to I was going to do Bed Shaped by Keen which I love that song. And I was like, yeah, I really want to do that one. And then last minute it got changed to um, 
It was basically like, oh, I'm an industry insider and I know this band's going to be huge by the time, and this song, like, by the time you do the lives, and uh, this song is just going to be everywhere. It's called Radioactive by this band I know called Imagine Dragons. Uh, why didn't you do that? So it kind of, yeah, kind of got a bit like pressured to kind of do that one, and then I did that one. It wasn't really the song I wanted to do, um, the lives, so... Is there no way you could be like, no, I'm doing Keen? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's like when you have someone who's, I think, especially when at that age for me, I, mean, I was like 19, it was just like, if someone who's, you know, you're looking up to in a way, you're, you're kind of going, oh, like, you know, you're this ultra successful musician, you know, and I trust, I trust what you, you're saying. I trust that you know what you're doing. Yeah. That's what kind of what I, I place a sort of sense of trust in that, you know rather than trying to be someone who was um, difficult to work with. You know, I didn't want to be difficult to work with. I wanted just everything to be quite easy, you know. And it's not that I didn't make the most of doing that song. Like, I actually quite enjoyed it, um, especially when we sort of incorporate doing, like, um, the piano bit at the start and things like that. That was really cool. Um, it was a bit also a really weird moment because, like, when I was in that band called Toxic Federation, um, it was a huge period of that my time with them. I used to wear red jeans on stage, and obviously the band's called Toxic Federation. It has like a big toxic logo symbol as like part of the band logo. Yeah. And it was weird performing Radioactive because Wardrobe would put me in red jeans, and on the back screens there were these toxic logos flashing on the back. And I was just like, that is such a weird moment because I'd, I'd left that band about a year and a bit ago, so it was still quite fresh. And then next thing I'm I'm on national TV, and then that was going on as well. It was a sort of a bit of a weird one. You know? That's odd. <laughs> yeah. They've been to watch it and been like, we know what we'll do. We'll fuck with him, but we'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> so what led to you coming off the show then? Uh, I got voted off. Just it, voted um, off. It, was, um, it was basically put up to a public vote. I didn't go on with much of the sort of the sob story, really. I, I, I could have done, I could have gone with the whole, I was bullied through school. I was outcast through school. Nobody liked me. And the whole thing. No. You know, all the years I've performed and people still don't like me. And, you know, I just really want to be famous, you know, that kind of thing. You know, I could have done that. And I did not. I pretty much, because I didn't really know what, I just was kind of like, well, there's not been some huge tragedy of some sort, like, uh, that I really particularly feel like sharing with you all. You know, it's like, my dad helps me do gigs. I've done lots of performing. That's all you need to know. You know? Um, but they just, obviously, they want to create like a, they want to have a sort of sub story. They want that kind of, you know, human story to add, to yeah. make them likable. And I just didn't really, one, I didn't really, ha really have that. Uh, the other guy I was up against, he was, um, he definitely had sort of sub story of sorts. He got like dropped by multiple labels when he was young, or like kind of like an almost made it. And it didn't happen. Now I'm cleaning windows. You know, I want to, you know, this is my last chance, like, like my last chance, you know, that kind of thing. He had quite a, quite the soft story going on and uh, this whole like emotional narrative going on with it. And, um, and also I was a rock guy running around the stage, screaming at the top of my lungs. <laughs> and also after the, I'd finished the performance, uh, Holly Willoughby comes up to me and she goes, like, you know, that was amazing. You know, how do you feel 
and I'm on live television, and I go, Jesus Christ, that was amazing. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, it's kind of, it looks like something you can't say on live TV or at that time. And I just didn't think about it. And then she had to like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the, to the watchers back home. Uh, he's obviously a little flustered after his performance. You know, I didn't know, know that at all. And I don't know if that had anything to do with it or anything, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but this is the first thing I thought of saying. Yeah, just, just it was such a long and um, uh, emotional day that I just was like, Jesus Christ! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was like, "Fuck me!" <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, come on, what? So that kind of happened. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so I mean, there were some people who were really upset about that, but it was quite funny watching like uh, people. Like the, the, those kind of people got slaughtered in the comment sections on Facebook. Someone put like, I, I absolutely have respect for you and your voice, Mitch Lems, until you said the Lord's name in vain on, oh. in vain on live television. And like people were just coming in and just like attacking this woman called Mary. He kept like putting it on every, every post that had anything to do with it. It was so funny. You know, Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, no, the, it was put to an audience vote and uh, they were like, yeah, let's go now. So we're voting out the heathen. I'm quite upset about it. I was because I think it was that kind of like realization that at that point that was the first time throughout the whole thing in which I thought, you know what, maybe I could do this. <laughs> you know, you've been in it for such a long time, and the whole time I just thought, nah, I'm not, I'm not getting through. Just enjoy it for what it is. And then by the time I got to the lives, I was like, okay, you know, there's some momentum, and I'd obviously by that time seen. Um, like the public reaction to all the stuff that was like people finally seen it on TV and it was like the you know, my socials were all blowing up and looked like things were all on the up from here and um, I was quite sad for it to be over I just kind of thought well this is it you know so and uh, yeah that was that <laughs> so what did this lead on to obviously you've got this massive social media following now so where oh. did it lead on to from that um it's it sort of, it was a weird one because I really did expect something really big to come from the show. You know, I mean, you had like Danny saying stuff like, you know, people should just buy tickets to Mitchell Lenz's fucking show right now, you know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, you just kind of bought into it by the end of it. You know, I had gone in it quite cynical, I'd gone in it quite not expecting anything and kind of being a bit, well, it's just TV, you know. But by the end of it, it's just like, you were kind of like, oh, okay, this seems like it's going somewhere. And then, couple of months didn't hear anything of anybody nothing just nothing so i just felt completely back in sweat one life really changed i was still living at home and you know i dropped out of university as well so it was like okay i don't don't have that now um what am i going to do so i put my own band together based on an album that i finished um just as the voice was happening um it's like my first was technically my first solo album, but I turned it into a band project. So I recorded it all myself, wrote all the songs, and um, I put a band together with the guy, a guy who I met in sixth form, who asked to mix it. He joined on guitar and got a bass player, got a drummer, and just went, well, I've been on The Voice, and maybe we can get some gigs. Let's uh, just go and do that. So then we started gigging for the next year and a half, just playing, playing everywhere and anywhere that would have us, really. And uh, we were, although we weren't like, I wouldn't say we were like a rock band as such, like we weren't a classic rock band, we were very much a melodic, indie meets kind of punky sort of grunge sort of thing. 
Um, the band was called Mr. Nothing. That's really good. I don't know. It just actually was a name I thought of. I came up with a song called Mr. Nothing once, and then I just thought, oh, that'd be a really cool name. And I couldn't think of anything better, so I just, you know, went, went with that. And that was really that was a really cool time because I was feeling like I was back to doing what I'd always wanted to do, which was yeah. that wasn't the lead singer of a rock band where that's all I did. Um, it was I was kind of doing a bit of my sort of grunge dreams a little bit, whilst also um, experimenting and discovering new music and discovering myself as a songwriter and as a musician and as a guitar player, coming up with loads of riffs and stuff. So it was almost like uh, the antithesis to what I was on The Voice. For better or worse, that's just the way I felt about it. I just thought, people aren't going to take me seriously because I've been on a, um, a talent show, TV talent show. And um, that was a really weird thing for me because I just went, I'm just going to go full out, be who, like, whatever I want to be with this band, throw myself around the stage, chuck my guitar across the stage, and, uh, you know, let's just go nuts. Let's have a ridiculous time with this. And I was really passionate into music. The guitarist, uh, still one of my really good, good friends to this day, like John, he was really into what we were doing. And we were starting to like write together as well, get him involved on songs and stuff. It was really starting to become its own thing, like a, like a band. And that's what I wanted. I, I, at that time, even though it was probably a terrible idea for me to have done this, because you would think that you, I, the way I saw it at the time wasn't necessarily what... Um, I wouldn't say it was necessarily reflective of reality in the sense it was in the sense of like what I should have done, like logically, a logical minded person would have done is capitalize massively on the fact that you've just been on this huge TV show. Be a solo artist, just go and make the most of your name. I just didn't do that. I went, no, I'm, I want to be a, a, um, a musician of some sort of respect of some form like I, I wanted people to sort of acknowledge me as a legitimate musician uh, not some guy who was on a talent show so it was very much like it was very much the antithesis of who I was on the voice instead of being you know this amazing singer I was doing a lot of shouting and screaming and throwing my guitar <laughs> and being very very um uh, quite expressive as a performer and being quite intense so I was you know, that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be this fun but intense thing, you know. And the stuff I was singing about, I was writing about my own feelings. I was writing about my own emotions and things that I was going through. And um, and it was very, very personal stuff. So I just, yeah, completely went the other direction. Um, but I managed to get a lot of people to listen to the Mr. Nothing stuff. And a lot of people really liked it because... There's a contract that said I wasn't allowed to release any music commercially for like six months after The Voice. Really? Yeah. They're kind of like, you know, you're not really like, kind of like benefit from this because this is BBC and it's taxpayer funded. I don't know what it is. There's just tons of red tape in terms of what you could, what you couldn't do. So instead, with this YouTube account where I've done a load of covers and then because I've been on The Voice, they racked up like hundreds of thousands of views and stuff. I just thought, well, fuck it. I'm just going to put them for free online. This album that I've worked on, I'm just going to start releasing it and then we'll, I'll put it out and when that ends. And uh, a lot of the yeah, I managed to get a lot of people to listen to it, and um, which is really cool because I was really proud of it. I was really proud of that, especially that first album because it's the first time I'd ever released anything where I'd performed and wrote and arranged everything 
recorded it, you know. So um, that was really exciting. Um, but obviously, towards the end of that, it was for me. I think having um, been non-stop since I was nine years old, just mm. doing chasing it constantly, and it, uh, you know, that's not even to mention any of the other stuff that was going on in my life, and you know, all the other stuff outside of music. You know, it was just music alone. It was just like I never stopped ever, like for such a long time. And I think around that time especially in around about 2014, it was about a year after The Voice, I got quite bummed out about sort of um, my situation because I thought, you know, um, not getting the people to the shows, I'm having to promote music, um, sort of manage the whole band that I've put together, you know, trying to be a good guy to everybody, trying to make everything happen. And I just didn't feel, um, I just started feeling like, nobody was believing in what I was doing and that I no longer was believing in what I was doing, even though it was big down, it was really what I wanted to do. But I, I just lost belief in kind of everything that I was doing at that point because I'd gone from such a, a massive high of being like everyone in my town knowing who I am and people watching all my stuff and, you know, the whole minor celebrity thing for a bit to being, you know, bottom of the bill, playing to 20 people, you know, within a year kind of thing. It was just like, it just, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of moments like that. And then we had like members leaving. We like, we had went through like three drummers in the space of a year, you know, and it's like getting a drummer into, getting a drummer in a band, like uh, uh, the drummer sort of settled into a band. It's probably one of the hardest things, you know, because um, it's such an integral part of the band. So it's like getting someone, you know, up to date with the stuff you were doing and the, the, the new music that you're doing as well and getting them to learn all that stuff and you've got gigs and stuff and then it's like and I was just predominantly just me just trying to manage all of that and it's got a bit much really <laughs> and so around, I think yeah I think this is this is a good time to probably mention this um I don't know if I should should I mention it yes <laughs> 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 we don't know what it is but yes so um I, yeah a very interesting thing happened towards the end of um end of that whole time sort of late 2014 where um obviously being in an alternative rock band and you know uh playing venues and there's and at that age as well it's like 20 like 21 so it's like Obviously, one of the things that's going to be quite in, uh, enmeshed in the things that you're doing with all the late nights is going to be a lot of drinks and there's going to be, you know, drugs and things or, you know, all that kind of all side of things. I had this absolutely transcendental um, LSD experience the following year that just completely just blew everything away that I, like, my entire idea of what it was that I was doing as a musician, what I... Or what my entire life had been up until that point as a musician, as an artist, there's just everything was just called into question in a, in a positive way, in a sort of like a um, making me realize sort of who I was deep down on the inside. However, this was an incredibly bad time for this experience. <laughs> because, uh, so this was like, this was quite a profound and crazy experience that I'd had. I really altered what I thought of what about life 
completely who who I was. And um, this was just about a month or two before my band split up completely. And uh, so that happened. Um, start of 2015, I'm kind of like, I don't know what I want to do. The music I'm writing has definitely benefited from this experience because I'm writing this really amazing stuff now. But like, uh, just the band isn't just, it's just not happening. It's like, it's all, it's like people wanting to leave or, you know, certain people aren't getting on. And it's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do anymore. I just feel like it just, I got to a point where I felt quite, I no longer knew why I was doing it. And um, then out of the blue again, I took a break from the band for a bit. And I just said, I just need to take some time off. Just, you know, let's all, let's all you know, chill. And then I had this message out of the blue um, from a rock band called The Treatment, who were kind of like, hey, our singer can't do this tour. Can you, we searched you on Google, can you do this tour? And um, I went down to this audition thought oh that would be a cool thing you know do something different it might shake things up a bit you know I, I can do the rock thing you know um and then did the audition i was like oh can you try this we've just written this new song try this it's like yeah okay did it did it did it and they were like well okay since you're good enough we'll tell you why why you're really here is that um our lead singer is actually leaving and we're looking for a full-time replacement okay so and so I, I'd gone down with my dad at the time, and my dad had pretty much gone like, uh, yeah, Mitch would go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And I, was like a bit, I was a bit sort of like too, because uh, it wasn't really, you know, in a way, it wasn't that I didn't want to do it or I didn't think I would be, wouldn't be good at it or something. It was just, um, I was conflicted about what I wanted. I was very conflicted about what I wanted, but I just felt that I needed to do something. And that this was probably the only opportunity I was ever going to get to be a touring band that was signed to a record label that had done like really cool things and I just thought I, I, I know I could learn a lot from this experience and uh, maybe achieve some some sort of childhood dreams of it because I, I want to know what it is to do a major European tour I want to know what it is to do you know major festivals like I want to experience that and I think I've got the skills you know to do it and it's, it's it was quite exciting so then that led on to the whole um, the that next chapter of my life which is the treatment and doing that stuff sorry i feel like i just ran it on for like ages no it's, it's all good because they're literally listening to us for an hour anyway they don't want to listen to us in the interview as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but now, a, a few people who i've spoken to about you know you from the treatment it's like yeah. my mum put me onto the treatment years ago because she saw you supporting wasp in bristol Jeez, no way, no way. And what's really awesome about that is I was talking to her about it earlier, and she went, yeah, I remember that gig. I spoke to his mom afterwards, and she was telling me how proud she was of her little boy, and I was like, so there you go. Both of our mothers have met. Well, I think they, were in, they came to one show. They came to one show on that tour, and that was Wolverhampton. I think it was Civic. Uh, maybe Civic. it was Wolverhampton, not Bristol. Then. I don't know. Wolfram. I think it was the one they came to. It was the Wolfram. I don't know. I don't know. But apparently me and your mother have met. So my mother and your mother have met. There you go. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, I mean, that was that was my first tour with them, and was um, that was quite an interesting experience. Our first tour, you wasp. Yeah, just thrown straight into it. It was a bit, a bit quite interesting. I remember um, the manager of the band kind of saying, "Oh, we we had a choice between putting you out with um, either putting you out with wasp or putting you out with the cult, and we chose wasp." And I was like. 
boy, I love it. It's just my first thought, you know, but I, I'm sure he had his reasons, but it was, I think he probably thought, well, the fans of Wasp were probably going to take to the treatment more than the fans of the cult would. Um, but I would have loved, loved to have toured with the cult, that's for sure. Unbelievable! I've never really known anything about Watts. We never found that I particularly grew up listening to, knew nothing about. So it was pretty much got asked to do this big tour with them, and I was just like, "Okay, I'm just going to search up stuff on YouTube. What the hell is this Watts band? No, you know, got songs like Fuck Like a Beast and stuff. You know, and I think there was only there was only one song I liked, which was off, it was the first track off their their album called The Headless Children. I just thought it was just, I think it was like Wild, it was, it was Wild Child or something like wild that. Wild Child, yeah. It's one of their bigger songs, yeah. It was not Wild Child. It was one of the songs just was like, just, yeah, okay, I get it. I get why people like this band. You know, I had one of those moments with it. <laughs> so I, I really like that treatment album with you on, especially the track Generation Me. That is a really good song. <laughs> well, it was, it was a really interesting, it was a weird experience for me because I'd gone from writing my own stuff to having no say at all in, in the writing process in the, with band and just kind of, again, being kind of giving things to sing. So uh, we recorded that at, um, in Essex. That's, you know, um, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden. Hmm. So he, he has like a recording studio there and Iron Maiden's uh, sound guy was the guy sort of engineering and mixing the album. So um, we, we just go up to, um, yeah, Steve Harris's house where his, his daughter and son were living there at the time and stuff, you know, and just go and record at his house. And you see, That's it's amazing. just it's like a time walk. That, that, that place was like a time walk because you'd see like the old like uh, hand-drawn maiden tapestries and things and just, you know, maiden stuff lying around. And, you know, it was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I was, never a big, I was never a big maiden fan growing up, but I, I used to love... Um, Seventh Son of the Seventh Son, I thought was an amazing Iron Maiden record. So I uh, wasn't lost on me how kind of cool that was, you know, to go and do that. Like that was that was really awesome. You know, so. so what led to leaving Treatment? Because you only did the one album with them, didn't you? Yeah, no, I um, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a difficult one, really, to sort of explain because I think um, it was a lot of it was a lot of mixed things were kind of going on with me. It was a sense of that. It was probably my darkest time of my life, I think, in a weird way, because it was like everybody, everybody just thought that I was living out this sort of dream in a way. Like Mitch is finally doing what he's, you know, because we've seen him all do rock stuff. And this is what he's always wanted to do, being in a band and going on tour and all that kind of stuff. The reality is, obviously, when you're on tour, you're just permanently skinned all the time. You just have no, you're constantly ill. Um, uh, like for me, there was like a whole alcohol ban for me. I wasn't allowed to drink at all on tour, anytime, anywhere, because being a singer on tour, I couldn't risk it. You know, we did a whole we did whole tours where we were sleeping on the floor of the van. You know, through winter through Europe, whilst you know you see the, the main band going around in a big sleeper bus. You know, you know. Um, so there was kind of moments like, but the thing is, it wasn't. You can get through moments like that if you feel happy about what you're doing, you feel happy in yourself, you feel like you're with the right people. For me, I, I wasn't with the right guys. I mean, I wasn't with the right people. And it led to me really feeling like I was, um, 
I just lost all my self-esteem. I just thought I was trying to have to be somebody I wasn't. Trying to please people all the time. Um, I just felt like I was having to be someone else all the time. And because if I wasn't, then it just they it, would, it wouldn't vibe with them. They wouldn't. Um, they they just it was a it, it always kind of had this vibe of a bit of a an us versus them, you know, kind of vibe with them. Uh, eventually, it just made me feel that I was. Uh, just kind of like talentless and not worth anybody's time. You know, so how I felt by the end of being with them. And uh, I was pretty much convinced. I mean, I remember the being told that I wasn't cut out for the music industry. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, uh, I was going through quite a deep depression when looking back, I was very depressed. I just um, I felt very disconnected from what I was doing. I felt very, I'm proud of that album. I'm proud of the vocal work I did in that album. See, I'm, I'm saying all the negative stuff here. It's not that we didn't have good times, and I did, <laughs> you know, great laughs with the guys. You know, because I, I, I think the band themselves, the guys in the band, um, they were they were good guys. They they're all good guys, you know, and uh, they uh, they mean well. But it's that kind of like it was. It just wasn't a good time for me. Although I did learn a lot about myself through that experience. I learned what it was that I wanted to do through that experience. You know, um, I learned, it was a really huge learning experience for me. And obviously, on top of that, I was seeing all these countries that I'd never been to before either, playing these huge stages and stuff. And, um, I had, you know, I had experiences with that band. I'm never, ever going to forget. You know, it's like, I remember one of the final gigs I did with them was playing Hellfest in France. Oh, main, stage, main stage at Hellfest on Saturday, on, a, on Saturday, like in the afternoon. And it was like, you're seeing literally there's a hundred thousand people you're looking at. It's like, like that is, yeah. You you have moments like that, and I, that was a moment for me where I definitely just tried to take that in as much as possible. You know, um, but no, I I was quite happy with what I did on Generation Me. I I thought it pushed me as a singer because the stuff that they were was very much like really out of my range. And, and uh, the only way I was able to sing that high was because I'd quit smoking like about two months before my, uh, no, two weeks before my first audition with it, quit smoking. And um, I just had, suddenly had all this extra range to work with um, after that. So it really tested me as a singer, it tested me as a performer, I came out as a better singer from being in the band. Um, but like I said, it really, it really kind of drove home to me more the questions of, what am I doing this? What am I doing this for? Where? What, what am I? You know, am I? Where is? What am I? I'm, I'm, what am I doing for this creatively? What am I doing for any of this? Very much a kind of like a, a moment where I thought, if this is where it ends for me, if this is where I don't do music anymore, if this is where this journey has taken me, then uh, that's you know maybe that's it, and uh, maybe that is, maybe they are right. Maybe that I, I am not cut out for the music industry, you know. And that was that was a lot that was in my head. It was very much like uh, it it got into my head with that, and really made convinced me that I was uh, simply just not good enough. So it was um, yeah, a really really complicated time. It was sort of full of really good times, but then also full of really bad times. It was also 2016, so like fucking Bowie died, and 
you know, so oh, yeah, that was the year, wasn't it? it was just like a dark year, and I was 23. Nobody likes you when you're 23. And just... <laughs> <laughs> a band said that one time. You know, that it felt for me like the year where just everything was just like shit for some reason. Even though there were so many amazing things going on, it's just it's that kind of like, oh yeah, like this is you know a bit more, bit more of a taste of real life out of the sort of bubble I'd been living in for a couple of years with you know just being in my own bands and doing TV stuff. But you know, it was very much like, okay, I'm an adult now. Shit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was yeah, just a very very difficult experience, but in a good way. I think in a good way because I think, um, I like I said, I learned such a huge amount about myself, about what I wanted out of music, and um, about my own sense of self belief really. Because I had I that had completely gone. And it was like, I had to learn how to kind of get that back again, yeah. to kind of find my self-esteem again, to find my um, drive to create music, drive to write music, to produce. What is it I like? You know, when I left that band, that was when I um, was able to revisit some of those, um, let's just say, transcendental experiences. <laughs> Uh, they they would no they they were absolutely amazing for me because they made me realize that you know all of this stuff that I'd done, being in bands, doing TV, being on stage, wearing a leather jacket, throwing myself into the audience, going around the world, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. Like, what is it that I did all of that for? Let's take it back to um, let's take it back to the beginning. What is what? Is, why am I doing? And the reason I, I, I kind of was able to find was I just really like instruments. I just really like great music. I love music. I love conceptual music, like bands like Pink Floyd. I love music that makes me feel something or teaches me something new about myself or makes someone not feel so alone. And it was almost like the simplicity of just saying, I just want to make things that make other people happy you know, and I want them to be beautiful things for the sake of just making beautiful things, you know. But when you take away all of the, of the um, when you take away all that sort of, you know, pressure, you need to be marketable, you need to be this, you need to be this, blah, 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 you know, that, that kind of, how do you make, how do you become a successful artist in, you know, this sort of weird late stage capitalist society that we all live in, you know, that kind of, that kind of vibe of things, you know. And it was really important for me to sort of get back in touch with the reasons why I even started this in the first place. And um, so I, I was able to do that, um, start doing that again after I left the treatment. And it was almost like a bit of a, a period of personal recovery, you know, of, of a lot of years of really being quite hard on myself, um, especially after, you know, going on The Voice and then just feeling like I'd just been dropped from such a huge height back to square one and then just spending years in bands being skin and just being just, yeah, a bit miserable and just kind of finding my way back again, you know, from that. Because I wasn't, I wasn't going to let, the other thing is I wasn't going to let someone tell me that um, I wasn't cut out for the music. I wasn't going to let somebody tell me what I can and can't do with my life, you know. And uh, I think it was important for me to prove that to myself and then turn it into a reason where it wasn't out of trying to do it to, oh, I want to prove all these people wrong. It was like, 
no, I'm finding just back to, I'm doing this because this is what I like to do. And that was such a, a really beautiful thing to sort of um, experience, I suppose, you know, kind of get back, getting back to, getting back to that. And it, it sounds like, like when I, <laughs> Sorry, when I that was really, that was no, really no, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it sounds like you did actually take all that on board and you did all that with the latest album you released. But before I talk about that, yeah. I, we need we need to quickly discuss the fact that you worked on Strictly Come Dancing because what the fuck? That was, <laughs> I did not expect that when I was doing my research. Yeah, you and both. You and both. Um, yeah, I've been sort of living a bit of a, an interesting life because, um, like I said, when I left the treatment, this was kind of that weird moment where I was like, oh yeah, certain doors did get opened by The Voice. There are people who want me to sing what I did on that show and they want my skills, whatever they mean, you know, vocally or performance-wise. There are people who would like to hire me or ask me to do sessions or do all this stuff that I just didn't see or I didn't think about or I didn't consider before because I just didn't know that that was a thing I could do, I suppose. You know, I was so single-mindedly on doing original music, you know, and um, I didn't realize this, there was this whole other world full of really lovely, really brilliant, really talented, and very proficient musicians. All in this other world of, of, um, of music work, you know, so I really threw myself into that, and I joined with like an agency, we put together a really amazing band of these really wonderful guys and wonderful talented musicians and um, you know we just do like events and stuff you know and um go around i mean this like the start of this year we did an event for um um cisco the communications company and we did that in barcelona playing to seven thousand people opening up for niall rogers you know like doing stuff like that incredible you know so like i do that sort of stuff all of all of a sudden i've gone from going i have a hundred quid to last me through the month because i can't have a job because i'm in a touring band and it's just you know most i can do is try and get a little bit of work in the meantime you just odd jobs and stuff i just never had any money just all going on food and traveling to stay with the band you know so i didn't have any money wasn't earning anything from the treatment, got nothing from it. So it was like, I was just always skimp all the time. So then all of a sudden being paid to work as a musician, for me it was like, oh, I can fund the stuff I want to do. This is great. Like, I'm not facing the job centre. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've made it. You know, um, that's a moment where it was like, it was really like, that's really did it as well, save me you know, and sort of keep me pursuing music because it was like, I can make this realistic. This can be a realistic thing that I can do and it's not the end of the road for me. I can do something and I'm still learning. I'm still learning by doing all of these different things, you know, getting asked to play with this band, getting asked to do a session on this, getting asked to do some vocal work for this thing. It's like, I'm still learning all of these things and learning off other musicians. Um, and I got back into playing guitar again on stage as well. So I was, I was very adamant that I wanted to play guitar and, and uh, getting my guitar performing skills back up again after years of not being a, uh, of just being a singer, you know. So there was like a lot of positive stuff. And one of the things that came from that was it was sort of like a friend of a friend says, so um, my friends in Strictly Band, um, they're looking for a new guy to cover some of the more indie rock pop stuff. Um, that they're trying to kind of incorporate into the show. 
And again, this was another one of those situations where I just thought, why not? My mom loves Strictly. Uh, let's, let's just, you know, go and check it out. Again, I didn't think I was going to get it. I just thought, get the train down, go and meet her, you know, try it out. And then I get a call that says, so uh, can you do next week's show? And uh, yeah, you've got like a week to learn like 13 songs, you know, and I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. And then can you do next week's show? You know, and I think that was why it was, I, it, then again, this is where the whole perfect pitch thing comes in because it means I'm, it's really easy for me to learn stuff really quickly, especially melodically, because I just, just, I get it straight away and I can learn stuff really quickly. And that's exactly what a show like that needs is somebody can come in and then go, well, we've got this, this whole new set of songs this week. We need you to learn them and then perform them in front of millions of people on television. And um, again, that was another crazy learning experience for me because, you know, I'd never really been in a situation like that before. And um, it was, uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed my experience on that show. And uh, it was great, great fun, really. <laughs> so what were some of the songs you did while you were on there? Um, oh, I did a bit of everything. I've done, I did some really, really ridiculous songs on there. And then I did some other songs I really liked. You know. My favorite one that I did was um, uh, some sort of like alternative like American band uh, did a cover of um, a song called Drops of Jupiter. Now she's back in the atmosphere. Great song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I loved that song and it was like, I loved the cover that this band had done. It had only been done like a week before. Just released on, it was like Sleepless Records released it or something. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And like, um, yeah, I was, I was, I really loved doing that song. It was just a really, you know, great song. And I did um, another one, Bites the Dust by Queen. I was like, all right, I'll do my best. <laughs> Freddie impression, you know. <laughs> um, so that was really cool. Like, um, again, it's just, it was such a weird, it, it's a weird experience. It is a weird experience because, you know, you're so used to seeing something like that on TV. And you never thought in a million years you'd get asked to work on that show, you know, and do that, you know. And uh, I think, that, you know, that there was a use, like I said, I think I probably said earlier, there was a whole part of me that kind of felt like I wasn't going to be taken seriously as a musician because maybe there were certain, I think looking back, maybe there were certain snobby kind of music people I knew who their opinions were in my mind and that, like, I was worried about what they thought, you know. Whereas now I just kind of go, you know what, I don't give a fuck, like, anymore. Like, I, I love making music. I love, I, I'm happy to do um, whatever it is that's... Uh, helps me continue to do the things I'm passionate about. Um, and whatever gives me new experiences, I think that's what I've really liked about being in music. It's just, um, there's always something interesting coming around the corner. You know, there's always a new experience. Um, and I like that. I, I, I hate, hate things when they're just the same all the time, like 2020. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, just bringing it all back around again. You know, uh, so I've I've always loved that unpredictability of it. I've loved, you know, there's always something weird or interesting to get involved in, and um, I no longer feel like I have to, um, you know, um, be ashamed of the things that I've done in my career or so far, and and the things I do. You know, it's so it, like it's okay for me if I want to work as a singer. And, use my vocal talents to do things, you know. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't take away from me anymore um, the 
it doesn't invalidate what I do as a solo artist anymore, what I do with my own music, you know. Um, I think for a long time I really felt like that was how like the voice was, like it invalidates me as an artist because I'm not a real, I'm not a real musician. And I go, well, I think about the 17 years of, of gigs and things that I've done and just effort that I've put in, bands I've been in, done everything from pop to metal, you know, it's, and, uh, in a way, and I don't regret any of it, you know. It's, um, I like all types of music. I love doing a varied amount of things and I'm no longer, yeah, no longer ashamed of it. <laughs> I'm just happy to be able to do what so. should you be, man? Like I said at the start of this, you're stupidly talented. Your voice is incredible. <laughs> and, you know, you shouldn't let anyone hold you back. Just to... uh, but it is easy. I mean, it's the things, it's, it's that kind of thing where, like, nobody, nobody tells you not to do those things i suppose it's like there isn't really always a guidebook on how to handle these sort of things and um you know so i guess like like sound music like i've just tried to learn as i've gone along really and just you know develop as 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 well as a person and i think like with 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 vertigo the vertigo history's edge like that was sort of for me was like the pinnacle for me of all of these years of trying to find what it is that I wanted to express as an artist. Like, what is it that I, it was like the hope, the final homing down of like that really was, was how I felt about that. But I, I think it took all of those years, all that stuff to do it. So it's almost like I always feel like, you know, with anything I make, it's like been my whole life in the making, the stuff like yeah. that. Well, they, they say everything happens for a reason, don't they? So I think that you obviously, you had to go on this journey. You had you did all these things that has now led yeah. you to now. Yeah. So, yeah. It's been an interesting journey. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, it's, but like you say, you released this album last year, and, well, 2019. And I'm not blowing smoke. I listened to it earlier. It's incredible. It's, from start to finish, it's amazing. It really is. But, what led you to wanting to do this solo instead of getting another band together? You're like, this is something I need to do on my own. Um, I mean, it was something that I needed to do on my own, that's for sure. It was, um, I think because I'd spent a lot of the, a lot of the times when I've been in these like other projects or bands and things like I've been making stuff in here or whatever, you know, and um, honing my, I wrote, writ, wrote, writ, wrote, wrote, what is uh, I wrote, yeah, like hundreds of songs over the years, and I love production. Like, I absolutely love mixing and production, and I really, over the past couple of years, really got back into that. So I, I kind of figured out that when I when I was a kid, my first, I think it was like nine, and I like found a copy of Pink Floyd's The Wall, you know, and then like obviously didn't understand it as a child, but it blew my mind, like that sort of stuff. And then you listen to something, and then I was like, oh yeah, this Dark Side of the Moon, like holy shit like that's blowing my mind and, and all of my favorite albums it's like you go well yeah they're all playing on it they're performing on it the song but it's like the production of it is like also another aspect of it you can create you can create a little world people with, with with right with the right production so i've always been really fascinated with recording home recording and um producing and mixing stuff myself um Especially because I've gone into studios and I've recorded original stuff in studios and really not been happy with it at all. And I like that I can really put the attention to detail in that I want. But uh, still at this point, I was still not really 
um, I'd say I wasn't really earning enough money still at that point to really kind of like go and hire a bunch of musicians. And I didn't really know anybody who could um, be up, up, up to, to doing it. It was very much did start off as quite a personal thing as well. I mean, I wrote this song called Rivers of Ice, and that was kind of like where it started. And that was sort of late 2018. And that sort of song for me kind of summed up how I'd felt for a long time. And um, again, it was sort of like I said about these sort of like transcendental experiences. You know? <laughs> yeah. Rivers of Ice was kind of like a song about that. You know, it was about being able to um, start again and to believe in yourself. And to, that's the kind of what I, what I wanted to make, was write music like that, that could uh, encourage people and but also really transcend you into kind of an, a, a, a different space. You know, I love like putting tons of effects on guitars. I like making these huge walls of sound and stuff. It's like, I'm known as a vocalist, but like it's, I think my deep, my true love of music has always been in production. It's been in the whole thing. You know, when you listen to an amazing album, you hear everything in it. You hear the production, you hear the songwriting, you hear the, the way the guitarist plays, the way the bass player plays, the way the drummer plays. And I just I love all of those different elements. And I love how things are created. And I'm such a nerd about this stuff. Like I spend, spent so much of my time researching how albums were made, you know, and that kind of stuff. It just fascinates me. Te the whole technical side of it does. So, um, with Vertigo, I was very much um, determined to see if I could do it myself. Just see if I can just create an experience from start to finish um, that I was happy with. And um, yeah, it was sort of an exercise in doing that, really. But it was personal for other reasons because it was um, at the start of 2019, a friend of mine uh, we've known for a really long time, uh, unfortunately, took his own life. Oh, this was a guy who would introduce me to a lot of things in my teenage years that really changed my mind or changed my perspective about what I thought about the world. He had a quite an influence on me, basically, growing up. So, um, which then led to, you know, figuring myself out or choosing certain musical styles, making completely, you know, when you meet people and they just like that, they, you don't realise it at the time, maybe as such, but these are they're quite formative or they're quite impactful moments you know in life so i i was very much after he passed it was sort of this really um reflective period for me and all of a sudden i just couldn't write about anything other than that and then it kind of one day just clicked and i went i need to make this as a this i know what this is going to be I know that there's something very important that I need to say. There's something that I need to process through this. And it might be probably the most inspired thing I've ever done because of that. It was it just felt like nothing else really mattered other than at that time making that. I pretty much wanted to make it as if it was sort of the sorry, but I sound like such an intense person. I'm really not. I'm actually quite, quite chill. I'm, you, know, you know, I'm like, you know, um, but no, it was just it, it just really impacted me in a really big way, and um, the result was that album. It was just really much a a journey from start because I knew I did know him really well, and but I hadn't seen him for quite a while, and it's just um, yeah. So going going through all of that, it was I guess it was 
I think it's when somebody does pass away in your life and it's um, been someone you've been especially close to. It's not like a, you know, an old relative or something, you know, which is sad, but it's like, it's, I suppose it's different when you've had sort of these bonding experiences together where, you know, you've been out in a random field somewhere smoking a joint together for the first time, you know, you, you know, having stupid laughs together. You've been talking about all of these, you know, mental ideas that you have and stuff about things. And they really resonated with you as, you as you've grown older and they've impacted you in your life. And it's the, you know, the album pretty much became about that. Because there were originally songs about how I felt about myself. But then when he passed away, it was like, I just knew, I just saw the influence that he'd had on me as a person. And it was the first time I'd really ever experienced that. So that's how it kind of presented itself. So kind of being a bit of a tribute to him, but also this kind of sense of, that, um, how would I put it? Almost that like life in and of itself, it just sort of, after that, I really did feel that life was was less of a game anymore. That, you know, it was sort of, that I should be really, really thankful that I'm here, that um, so many other people are here, that they just, just miraculously, that any of this is happening to all of us, you know, and um, very much a sort of, um, how do you put it? I'm trying to find the words for it. It's kind of like a a moment of realization about one's mortality, the um, impermanence of things, you know. And that's kind of what that album is about. You know, it's about people who felt the way my friend felt, and uh, yeah, it was so. It was a really meaningful thing for me to make. And I knew that, like, it, I didn't have a record label, didn't have any PR for it, I didn't have any of that stuff. But I know that. That was what I wanted to do. I want to write things that are meaningful to me and, uh, and are true and are genuine. It's, it's not bullshit, you know. I'm not pretending to be something I'm not. I'm trying to create something that I, I, I hope people will listen to really feel, you know. And that's, that's kind of what I really wanted to do with that, you know. And as well as all of the technical aspect of doing it myself and really trying to create an atmosphere with it because I wanted it to sound um, like its own little world in a way. So, yeah, it was uh, something really, really incredibly, I guess it's the one thing I've done in my life that I'm really proud of as a musician is that. Um, and I, you know, uh, I'm just really grateful that anybody's listened to it. <laughs> it, does really like, it, it does sound like this album was, I don't want to say saved your life. That's probably not the right words, but it seems like it's reinvigorated your love for music. It's give, done that thing you wanted to do since the start of it. It's helped you grieve over the loss of a friend. It's helped you do all these emotions. It, it feels like this is like, this is me on this that was, that was pretty much That was pretty much what it was, because it was like a kind of a sense of, yeah, this is, this is what I do. This is unashamedly me and the musical influences and the, the personal things that have, inspired or influenced the album as well you know uh definitely i'd say yeah it was really it felt to me like a, a culmination of everything i'd wanted to do for a really long time um i obviously would have preferred it that my friend was would be here instead and have made the album be the way it was i think it would have probably turned out a little bit differently um but even then still the this the aim still would have been sort of the same in that i was looking to make something that really was um the culmination of everything I'd learned and all the time that I'd put in learning how to write songs, 
learning how to produce, learning how to mix. I even mastered the thing myself as well, learning how to master, you know, just doing every aspect of it to try and create something that, you know, uh, would normally cost you thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds to try and do in a, in a top-notch studio with a bunch of session guys or band members. And, you know, it's like, I just felt like I needed to do it for me. Like I, I really needed to, to sort of do, do it for me first and foremost. And it turned out great because of that, because I was happy with it. And, um, and, and it was great to sort of share that with everybody as well. And the fact that people liked it, people listened to it. And, and I've had so many lovely messages about it. I mean, the other day I was sending out prints of the album artwork to um, fans and stuff, you know, it was just really nice, you know. So yeah, definitely was, yeah. I'd say what you said was pretty spot on really. <laughs> It is. I, I definitely implore anyone listeners go check it out. It is really good. Um, so, what's the what's the future plans now? Well, this year has been like I think I probably said at the beginning. It's sort of, um, I really, really wanted to get like I really wanted to start work straight away on follow up um, for Vertigo because that took about nine months for me to really put together. I was pretty much working on it all of 2019, really, and uh, released it at the end of the year. And um, that was really intense, because like I said, it was just sort of, I did that almost as if it was going to be like the last thing I, ever, I was ever going to do as a, as a musician. I always find that like, I do have a bit of that kind of tendency anyway in music, like I, because it just doesn't feel like I've done something important enough for myself personally, if I don't feel like I've put everything of myself into it, like, it, you know, so... I really wanted to start writing new stuff because I thought that was I needed to personally do that for myself um, for all of the reasons I've just explained to you. But also, that's still only one side of what I can do. And I am really excited to kind of work on a new thing that um, explores some new influences, explores different things and, um, you know, more upbeat because I think Vertigo is quite, quite a meditation on life, and, and it's very, it's, it's very slow, you know, very slow and kind of heavy, but feeling to me, when I, whenever I listen to it, I'm like, I just, yeah, it's quite intense for me. And I wanted to make something that, you know, was more exciting instrumentally, more exciting tempo-wise, and kind of do something different. So I don't repeat myself, and I, and I want to give myself the challenge of trying something new. But then when, you know, pandemic happens it just the last that all just went out the window for me it was just like i just went i suddenly couldn't write because i really wanted to make 2020 the year where um yeah a year where i sort of have some new experiences you know and uh couldn't really have that so the same same i can imagine for so many people i mean a lot of people have obviously made influence out of lockdown you know and uh song that i wrote um last month and uh, put together that's pretty much about this, what we were, what we're all going through. And uh, I didn't really realise at the time that I was sort of writing a lockdown song. It was also the first song I put vocals to. First thing song I've sang this year since like April. I didn't sing oh, at wow. all. April till yeah October. Damn. So like I, it was pretty much I came up with these lyrics. So I was, I was you know writing demos and stuff, and I was just like. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. It's not really doing it. I'm trying to find the next thing, and I wrote the song and just went. I need to record this. I need to just get this down and 
pretty much that first take is used on is on the track and uh i kind of shelved it for a while and um and then i because i thought oh people are gonna like this one it's a bit too it's not you know it's not this enough or it's not bad enough you know and then i showed it to a few people and just said oh i wrote this recently and then it was quite funny because someone just says do you not realize the irony of writing a song about being wanting to be yourself and then not releasing it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just trying to, yeah, to be fair, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm wanting to do next is that's something I'm planning, or at least sort of toying with the idea of putting out. That'll probably be the first new thing I'm putting out um, since Vertigo, which has been a year. I can't believe I've not put anything out for a whole year, but I also can at the same time. It's been because... I don't not only put so much of myself into that, but then the whole world stopped, you know, this year as well. So it's um, so I I like I decided to take this year to just focus on myself, get myself in a better place, get myself physically healthier. I lost loads of weight this year as well compared to how I was at the end of last year, and you know, um, just did a load of really positive things this year, and um, I'm able to kind of come back to the music now and go, okay. It's going to sound bigger and better than ever, and I'm going to feel more inspired to make music. And the way this new track's gone, I'm really quite excited to sort of really release it to people because I think it's, um, well, not not my words, but like from people I've shown it to, who usually are people who would say, if it's shit, they'll tell me it's shit. Um, but they were kind of like saying, this is probably like one of, my, one of the best songs you've done. And that was really nice because it was a song I thought, literally thought, I didn't know if anyone was going to like this one, so I was, I was literally planning on shelving it and just going, "All right, I'm going to put that to one side, keep keep cracking on." But now it's come comes back, it's come back again, and I've gone, "Okay, I'm going to have to probably put this out." Uh, I'm now intrigued now. I really want to hear this now. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's the other thing as well is that I I think I was quite hard on myself for quite a long time, kind of feeling that um, everything I made had to be perfect on some level, and it has to be right. And I'm kind of getting trying to develop more of a mentality now, which is in, um, because I've had such a long time of not releasing stuff, and then all of a sudden, suddenly releasing stuff, and then not releasing stuff again. Um, I really want to just be a bit more brave with just releasing stuff. Once I've got something, if there's something I'm happy with, I just want to put it out and show people, and just start making more music. Because it's what I've really wanted to do for a long time, is to put more music out. and. Feel like I'm in a place now where I can do that and uh, fully get behind it and release new things. So I'm looking forward to yeah releasing a whole bunch of new stuff and uh, I want to do some covers again. I think I might do some covers again. Well, something I've been thinking of doing. Um, so yeah. Would you like to do a solo tour? <laughs> I would love to do a solo tour. It's, it's just whether the whether the, I could get the interest behind it really to kind of make it worthwhile. Both myself and people and find the guys to do it. I would absolutely do that. We'll be uh, there. We'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Follow you. I would like it to be able to just do justice to the material and just, you know, um, it was something I really wanted to start putting together this year. I was kind of like, maybe I could. I know a few really good people. I'm sort of, even if it's just one show, maybe two shows, just see where it goes. Um, I'd love to, you know, put something together. 
it's this play these songs live because um I would, I would absolutely love to and i'd jump at the, the opportunity to do so uh so yeah 2020 kind of just put a pause on all of that stuff for me um in a, in a good way and a bad way because yeah. i have the time to sort of just not for a while with the music thing as because i've never stopped really since like i was nine so you know uh, there's that aspect of it but also the kind of like i was i was just getting rolling with things you know you know so i'm hoping that like this whole thing is is uh at least manageable <laughs> for everyone yeah hopefully i can kind of start really seriously considering that again making that a reality so that would be awesome i also want to just say that i appreciate you uh taking the time to sort of just listen because i i know i have a lot to say and i do ramble a lot so uh thanks for we love doing this. I think what I've said has been interesting, so thanks. Absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sat here like. I'm, jo I'm joking, I'm not. I'm really not. I have messed up with you. It is all good. I'm lo we're loving it. Absolutely loving it. No, I appreciate it. <laughs> Tom, have you got any more questions before we move on to our little game? I've, got, I've got one question left. Um, yeah. Jasper just wants to say hey, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, because obviously he's the man hey. coming on to you. Yeah, um, and Helen, his wife, has asked yeah, sure. if yeah, yeah. you'll be going back to Strictly once COVID is over. Ah, oh, okay. Um, it really is. I just have to wait and see. That's literally that's all I know. Because I think I think this year, obviously, because they've had. Um, I think there's. It's obviously been difficult for them to put it on this year because of the whole social distancing thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I don't think it's necessarily be, would would be would have been a wise idea on their part to sort of bring in random singers in every week, like just mm. keep the same people every week. Um, I think is what they've gone for. So you know, uh, that's why I haven't heard anything this year. Oh. But um, I would, I know, I'd love to do it again. Again, it's one of those. If I needed, if I needed, I'm there. So awesome! That's awesome. Right. So before we go, we like to play a little game with our with our, uh, with our guests. Which okay. we just call it. We just call it the quick fire round. It's six questions, and we ask, and you just answer them as quick as you can. Nice and simple. Sure. Yeah, Favorite pizza topping? Uh, uh, chicken. Just chicken, straight up. <laughs> Banging. Favorite cartoon growing up. Ren and Stimpy. Oh, good choice. Great choice. One album you can't live without. Ooh, that is a tough one. That's a really tough question. I'm going to try and answer as quick as possible. But one album I couldn't live without. Frank Zappa, Joe's Garage, Acts 1, 2, and 3. I don't know. How about a very random choice i like it <laughs> who would play you in a movie of your life uh orlando bloom oh great show that. <laughs> is that from, is that from visual <laughs> yeah just visual i don't know yeah. i like the cringe on your face and you're like i can't believe you said that I've admitted I am that handsome. Jeez. No, I, I just, I just, I just think he's like the go-to blonde like 
so in a way, like just think of who's blonde, who's Orlando Bloom. You look like Orlando Bloom. It's just like <laughs> I can see it, I've mentioned it. <laughs> I kind of was, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One song that you've recorded that you're most proud of from any of your projects? Hmm. That I'm most proud of. Hmm. That's a really hard one. That is a really hard, hard question. Because I've done so many different things where it's like, that's amazing for these reasons. This is amazing for that reason. This fits in with this. This, you know. Um, Everything then. <laughs> no, there's some stuff I'm absolutely cringe at. There's some stuff I absolutely hate. Um, I think, yeah, the proudest thing I've ever done musically, song wise, I'd say Message from the Water. That's off uh, Vertigo at History's Edge. It's not even like the most vocally ridiculous song on, on the album. It's actually quite mellow, but just the, the thing as a whole, like it just, the emotion that I'm trying to convey in that song, just, it is that song. It just, I feel like I did it, so I'm really proud of that one. I love that track. <laughs> and last question, any advice you would give to younger version of yourself? Oh, um, younger version to myself. Uh, mm, okay. Uh, don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> Boys, yeah, do more LSD. Decision of my life was smoking cigarettes. Honestly, I think that's the worst thing I've ever done. Seriously, don't smoke cigarettes. Um, don't let anybody tell you that you uh, you can't do any something. Um, be true to yourself, and uh, you be wary of reality TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> amazing Richard this has been so much fun and we've absolutely loved doing this we've gone so long Look, what time is it now we've been yeah, going I... in two hours I think we've been going really oh yeah. my god yeah we've been going quite a long it's going to be a long one but we've we've had an absolute blast and you know there's yeah. so many so many like motives you can take out of this interview and it's like don't give up just you know stick to, like I said follow your dreams and stick to what you'd love whatever you know and yeah. that's the sort of things we love to hear from people. So thank you so much for coming oh, on. Well, thank, thank you guys for having me on. Mate. I've really, really enjoyed this. It's been, been awesome. Thanks. I really appreciate that. And I seriously mean what you said. It's like your voice is incredible, sir. Like just keep going. And I also meant that I now love you and I'm going to divorce my wife. Well, yeah. <laughs> I have that effect on men. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Orlando Bloomish looks. <laughs> No, cheers, guys. Man, it's been so fun. Thanks for having me, really. Yeah, it's been an absolute blast. Thank you so much, my friend. And you. And you guys. <laughs> Did you want to uh, plug any socials before you get out of here? Plug um, any... I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. At, yeah. At, at Mitchell Rims. Just at Mitchell Rims. Okay, I'll Instagram, but you get YouTube, YouTube, YouTube's another one because I want to post more stuff on there, and I am going to post more stuff on there. But I'd say Instagram, Facebook, YouTube—it's where I pretty much update most of my stuff most often. So any of those, just yeah, I'm always posting crazy, stupid things. So awesome. Well, 
Mitch, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this with us. We've really, really Glory. enjoyed it. It's been an honour, a pleasure. Um, <laughs> we'll have you back. Uh, I think yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, sweet. Well, we'll uh, when, when the world reopens and yes. we can actually go and do things, then obviously if you bring out another album, we'll have a beer as well. We'll go and do that at yes. some point. Yeah, we'll just we'll go crazy, dude. <laughs> Fucking here's twenty twenty one. Don't you dare curse us. Wonderful. Thank you so much, my friend. Have a great yes. night, man. Cheers. Take Thank care. You. See you later, Dan. Cheers. Hey there, I'm Frank Guglielmi, and I'm the narrator for the audio drama feed, featuring such audio dramas as Bounty Hunters, Marty and Mars, Val, Toby, and so much more. You can find all of these wonderful programs on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can go to our website at www.audiodramafeed.com. We are thrilled to be affiliated with the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie.